You're listening to Strictly Business Podcast with Lindsay Williams. The following interview is from the Newscape archives and was recorded at FMR 101.3 FM in Cape Town. My guest tonight in the Newscape studio is beige, middle-aged and African. He would rather be a snail than a politician, but in an oblique way, I suppose, he is a well-known and much-loved political commentator. His greatest extravagance, he says, is always giving his time, which of course means he couldn't refuse the Newscape invitation. Reviewing the stories, making headlines and having a chat tonight is the satirist, author and performer Peter Dirk Ace. Peter, you're one of the busiest people in the Western Cape. (laughs) Do you manage to keep up with current affairs? Current affairs run with me. They're the sort of the little dogs that bark at my heels. I, it's a hobby. I think I'm a sort of a terminal news hound. Um, I start the day with the news and I go into the internet and it's, it's, it's very exciting to actually try and keep up with what's going on. Also, I'm 64, so by doing, by doing that, I feel 12. And that also keeps me young. Interesting you talk about newspapers and the internet because we've had this discussion on Newscape on a couple of occasions and I'll do it next week with Chris Becker from Naspers about the link between the old style news reporting, mm. i.e. in those big papery things called newspapers and, and the internet. Which do you prefer? Oh, the newspapers. I love the newspaper. I love that sound of the paper. Um, I get irritated when you sit in an aeroplane when you've got a big broadsheet and you can't fold it properly because you're knocking somebody's glasses off next to you. But I love the um, I love newspapers. I've always grown up with newspapers, magazines. I find fabulous to read, but you know the internet is much quicker than any of them. The internet is the shorthand. Internet is the graffiti. Um, so you quickly go into your New York Times, mm. and you go into the Guardian, and you go into all those newspapers that give you within five or six seconds exactly what you can't really find in the newspaper because they haven't printed it yet. So ultimately, a newspaper will probably become a weekly magazine with uh, in-depth articles reviewing the week, and then the internet will complement that particular publication, I would have thought. Absolutely. The New York um, uh, Review of Books, for example, which is just six, seven pages on, on a subject so detailed and so interesting. And that is a great, a great need. Um, I find it very depressing that our local newspapers literally take me uh, an hors d'oeuvre. You know, I have my hors d'oeuvre at dinner and I read all the newspapers before I've got to the main course because it's like one, two, three, over. There's nothing other than the headline. And then, you know, in this media tribunal issue, which is so hugely significant just because Mm. I've been there, we've been there. You know, when they say when history repeats itself, it takes tragedy and turns it into farce. Well, this is farce. There's no way... You can stop the news, not with Wikipedia and, 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 and Facebook and all these little things that you've got everywhere. Um, and I think it's just something that we must all get involved with because it's not going to control the media. It's just going to not allow us to know what's going on. And that is the beginning of the end of, of democracy. Did you get despondent when you heard that the ANC or whoever it is might be trying to gag the media in some way? Not at all. Politicians will try and gag them always because media will always look into the underpants of the politicians and say, you lied. Um, I really think we must not become hysterical. I think it is part of the democratic process that we always will have politicians who are very clever and know how to cut our foot to fit their shoe. Um, And I just think we must talk about it. And uh, it's very good that all the writers are talking, but now they must write and the cartoonists must cartoon and we performers must perform. Part of my show at at the Fugard at the moment here in Cape Town is Bambi Kellerman, who's Evita's sister, 
who really truly is not scared to call a spade a spade. Whereas Evita would phone her lawyer and run for the hills, Bambi will confront it head on. And What is Bambi saying at the moment? Well, she's just saying, you know, first of all, you get exactly the problems you deserve because you've let things go on for so long. She was married to a Nazi. So I suppose that puts her into a nutshell or a nutshell, if you like, because she didn't know he was a Nazi because being an Afrikaner, he was so familiar. She thought, well, he's like one of the Ulms in Bethlehem in Freistadt. So I think uh, uh, to try and push the edge of the envelope, to try and I keep on saying I want to I want to offend everybody, but not all the time. So every now and then you've got to really put your finger in somebody's eye and then spend the rest of the time saying, oh, what's wrong with your eye, darling? <laughs> you mentioned clever politicians. You mentioned offending people all the time. The person I'm going to mention now is somebody you have said in the past one should ignore, and that's Sir Julius Malema. I don't think he's particularly clever, but I do think he's clever in a certain way in that he's grabbed our attention. Well, he's grabbed our attention, uh, which is not that significant because we're not that relevant. He has grabbed the attention of millions of un... of... of uh, I want to say, not unambitious, I would say half-educated black South Africans. That is the greatest tragedy of our democracy. We have not taken the blank check we got in 1994. I mean, we have the greatest opportunity in the world to build on an alphabet of communication, which we had right through the last 200 years, but sort of say, let's improve it and let's make it available for everybody. Our, our education system is, is beyond a joke. It's just nonsense. Everybody's just jumped on the bandwagon with all their uh, different uh, um, ways of doing it, outcomes-based, incomes-based, ingrown toenails-based. We've just had this three-week strike, which has lobotomized another generation. So, so he's let been us suspended. We've still got it, I think. Well, it just has not helped any of the kids. The kids want mm. to succeed. I've been to about a million kids in the last... 10 years with my AIDS program. Yes. The one thing that I am totally convinced of is that if we can keep our young people alive, we'll have the greatest democracy the world has ever seen. But at the moment, the only person who's speaking to them is Julius Malema. And he's another example of, of the youth who have not been given the alphabet of, of, the, of the future. Um, he says, well, we'll nationalize the mines. Do you know, I think all the mine owners are saying, what a wonderful idea. Take the mines. They're rubbish. They're empty. We can't afford to use them. You run them. They're not empty, but they're very, very deep. And the gold mining industry, of course, is incredibly lucrative. If we could find a way to get down that deep and stop killing people. Yeah, absolutely. But besides that, they're now full of this ghastly toxic water that's going to go gushing all over Johannesburg in a few weeks' time. I really think Julius Malema is... Um, De as dangerous as Eugène Tablanche was in his time, they're very similar to me. They both threaten. They threaten war. They threaten death. They threaten appalling things. And they're both bullies. Well, the one's dead. I'm not quite sure which one. Um, bullies, yes. Well, bullies, you get bullies everywhere. P bullies and politics go hand in hand. I would like to, I would like Evita Besaidnet to invite Julius Malema to an interview because, again, don't underestimate politicians were being stupid you know George Bush created an idiot called George Bush and got away with murder George Bush is not stupid at all and I don't think Julius Malema is stupid he knows exactly where his audience is when you look back um, unfashionably on the 30s in Europe and you see the rise of the Third Reich the rise of Adolf Hitler uh, Hitler got there because of the SA the SA of Erich Rom and they were thugs half educated given to believe that they were special and that they would be protected um, and I, I don't like the idea that our Minister of Defence, Miss Madam Sisulu, is suggesting that the members of the ANC Youth League are politically educated. What the hell does that mean? Is that the Hitler Jugend? Is that the Zana PF? So we've got a hell of a lot of work to do. You with your microphone, me with my pen, me with my good legs. 
Um, uh, we've got to get out there and reflect these things with humour because then people listen. Yes, they do. You talked about George W. Bush just now and Tony Blair in his recent book. I haven't read the book and I won't read the book. I refuse to pay for that particular work. He said that he thought George W. Bush, the latest one, was intelligent. You mm. clearly don't believe that. Look, intelligence and politics, it's a contradiction in terms. But let's know. I, I, I do agree with that because he has an instinct. He has a he can sniff out how to get away with what he got away with. Um, I also think that the whole Wall Street collapse, it did not come because of George Bush. That started with Bill Clinton. These things take a long time to happen. Um, and so, and also the mess we're in politically is not the fault specifically of Tabombeki. It started with our totally unrealistic honeymoon after Nelson Mandela freed us from jail. We couldn't believe that we weren't put against a wall and shot, which we deserved in many ways. He said, no. Oh, no, come, let's go all together. Wonderful, wonderful. And for how long did we just have a party and not say, excuse me, who's that tiny little man with a beard following in the footsteps of the great man? We, you see, you say you have, you're not going to read um, uh, 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 Blair's book. Blair's book. God, you've mm. even forgotten his, his name. I think we do ourselves a disservice. Um, I have Tabombeki's book, The Dream Deferred. I didn't read it because I thought I couldn't be bothered. I am doing a great disservice to the fact that I do not know all the details, be they honest or not. One has to find out where did the passion and the insight into politics end and the corruption start. And uh, we don't do our homework. We have to do our homework here. We have to read these boring books. Stand up and read them because then you can also do the treadmill and lose weight at the we same time. We don't have the time. We don't have the time to read them because there is so much information that we are bombarded with every day. And you talk about the internet and you, you're highly critical in many ways about the progress that South Africa has made since 1994. But on the other hand, you know, we've had so many hundreds of years of, of history. You can't just rectify hundreds of years of history in 16 years since no. 1994. And I think you and I are both probably victims of the Internet age and instant media gratification. Yes, I know what you mean. Um, um, I'd love it to be instantly gratified, you know, snap your fingers and half of these people disappear. But we can do something very quickly when it comes to the youth. We can take a child and introduce a child to a book and introduce somebody to, 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 to the joy of reading and using an imagination. I have a young, there's a, there's a young uh, a, a kid in Darling. She was reading an English book. She's an Afrikaans girl, and she was nine. And she was reading, The Cat Sat on the Mat. The Cat Sat on the Mat. Now, it's one of these big books, The Cat Sat on the Mat. I said, yes, Cat Sat on the Mat. I said, what does the cat look like? I don't know. There are no pictures. I said, but what do you see in your head? She said, my head. I said, yes, don't you see the picture of the cat in your head? Am I allowed to? Am I allowed to? We take it for granted that everybody knows they have an imagination. Nobody had told us, so she didn't use it. That happens quickly. That doesn't need 100 years. That can happen in a second. So there's a lot that can be done. You're very active in making people aware of the scourge of HIV-AIDS in Africa, and maybe worldwide as well. I don't know. Do you find it quite strange that how, how fickle the media is? I mean, the example I'm going to use now is a very contemporary one where... The floods in Pakistan, the tragic floods in Pakistan, which are still going on as the waters keep rising daily, gets knocked off the headlines by the match-fixing scandal of yes. the Pakistan cricket team. Do you find that HIV-AIDS has been knocked off the front pages because it's just not news anymore? Well, it's been knocked off because the advertisers don't want it. Mm. You know, advertisers rule the media. I mean, okay, talk media tribunal here. I think one of the things that we need to look at is is the advertisers who phone up the editor and say, we don't want that mentioned anymore because it doesn't sell the newspaper so people don't buy our, our, our garden hoses. Um, it is, uh, yeah, it's one of those very, very uh, fickle things. I mean, for example, 
Ethiopia, what's happening there? Are they all eating hamburgers? And in Darfur, are they all fine? No, of course they're not fine. Problems don't disappear. Haiti, Haiti, after that terrible, terrible thing that happened last year, what's happening there? Well, I tell you, we have got to do our own homework. And that's the one thing about this extraordinary tsunami of information we have through the Internet. The trouble is we have no knowledge. Um, I, I get people and they sit there and I say, what are you doing? They'll be surfing. I say, what are you, what are you looking for? No, I don't know. I'm, I'm just looking. I'm just got to know what you're looking for because everybody needs something different from that information so it's all out there somewhere let's find it yeah front page of the cape times today you would find uh, stafile slams bok coach now mm. i watched an extraordinary game of rugby i'm not a particular rugby fan but i watched this amazing game on saturday afternoon i was in pringle bay and i was in mm. a bar with lots of uh, Afrikaners, and it was really really great fun there was a great atmosphere but then i thought about peter de villiers and i looked at his looked at him pacing around in the in his little box there and i just wondered if somebody that has such a high profile position in south africa should be allowed to say what he said about bs rue mm. in that tragic case of that murder of that policeman well first of all to see that on the front page of the newspaper irritates me because they've got the back page it's their page yes. sport is the back page put it on the back page i don't see it on the front page um he's a coach his team has lost get rid of him look what he says is irrelevant he's an idiot you should shut up you know, I also think actors should shut up. We haven't got an opinion when it comes to the world. We must actually change people's minds through entertaining them and getting them to forget to be frightened. That's our job. And he has no no uh, um, blank check to go around making opi uh, giving opinions about, about politics and about crime and about Pierce. God, with a name like Pierce. I mean, poor man. Poor everybody. Poor woman who lost her husband. That's grim stuff. But I don't want to see this this uh, De Villiers controversy on the front page. There are more interesting and more important things, frankly. For example, what are you up to at the moment, Peter? <laughs> Besides rushing oh, off tell to Tell us the about your, your current production <laughs> at the Fugue. Well, it's, look, it's, it's every now and then I've got to really kill the goose that lays the golden egg. You know, success can be a terrible prison because after a while people say, no, no, it wasn't as good as last time. It's not the same. Well, I never want to be the same. I want to actually give you a different menu each time and this time with Bambi Kellerman who is Evita's younger sister who is a cabaret singer it is a cabaret it is really truly as much as I can try and conjure up that feeling of the Weimar Republic that darkness of a cabaret with humor with some extremely provocative areas of of comment for example well about HIV and AIDS Bambi mm. is a sex worker she's HIV positive she said she can afford it because she's got the money there's no problem. She takes her medication. And yet again, she has to go to London because the strike has meant that HIV patients cannot get their ARV medications, which is terribly serious. And secondly, she uh, doesn't want to be given old beetroot, African potatoes and garlic. That still seems to be lurking around certain areas of health. So she's different. I've pushed the edge of my little envelope out. And I must say, it's been a really exciting. People are really loving it, uh, being very, very rattled by some of it which is important um it's not for the squeamish or should i say it is for the squeamish yes let all the squeamish come uh, and and stop being squeamish and bring your kids and explain things in the car afterwards so the reaction has been quite good because i was reading something the way where you said that foreign aids was a very difficult production a very difficult thing to sell and a very difficult thing to perform well it was look the title foreign aids immediately mm. people said oh oh is it about that thing yeah. Well, it was about that thing. Um, but it was when I look back on, on the sort of the quality of the work I've been doing in the last 20 years, it certainly was really, truly the most uh, uh, the most important piece I have I have conjured up. Uh, it toured the world. It went everywhere. And it and, and the feedback was extraordinary. Um, 
And and I must tell you something really shocking. It's not it's not um, dated. It's something I can pick up and do again tomorrow, probably with even more energy, and and it is more needed than ever before. I was going to say that. Will you update it? Well, I do. You look, I do my program for schools. I keep on moving around, and that's the most difficult thing I've ever done in my life, because you can't perform. You have no script. You just have to react to their reaction. And you've got to listen to what they react to because some of the kids don't really know what you're talking about because they don't have computers or they don't have these words. You've got to use their language, which is not language you use on the radio. But at least when you use those words, they know what you're talking about. So Hmm. it's been an extremely inspirational thing because um, I come out of those experiences so excited about the future of South Africa and so filled with admiration for these remarkable young people and their parents who come from really frightening backgrounds of poverty and violence and crime, all the things that we try and avoid thinking about. But they have hope and they have enormous courage and they have families. You know, us lucky people with all our education have lost our families. Where are our children? Mm. Do we ever sit together around a table? But you also go to uh, rich white oh, kids, sure. rich Listen, black kids. I have, no, I have no specific audience. I don't go too poor or too black or too white. Anybody mm. wants me, um, I say I'll be there. Uh, it's free, which is terribly important because even if I charged one rand a child, there'd be somebody on the school board who'd say, no, we can use that for something else. So that has been important. Um, the only t- schools that I really have had problems with are the Afrikaans, the traditional Afrikaans schools, who just say, what does that mean? Which I mean, means our children don't do that thing. They oh. don't have sex. And I say to them, mm. well, listen, mine is not the only way of doing it. I'm sure you can find your own acceptable way, but for heaven's sake, talk to them because they are growing up and when you grow up you sort of say oh hello that looks nice <laughs> you know <laughs> <laughs> moving overseas a story that's hit the headlines if you ever watch uh, sky news service you'll see this american preacher i don't know where he's yes, from and yes. he's trying he's, he's burning mr. the brown quran. or mr smith yeah and something the, like that he, yes and 9 he 11 to, he's burning the quran and he's got 50 followers now i've just read it now i've read it about half an hour ago 50 followers, you see, that's where we are in this world. A man with 50 followers that in not so long ago would not have even made a ripple among 60 other people around his community has suddenly got Hillary Clinton and everybody in the world making statements about him. Um, These people who make these statements have got to stand by their statements um, and uh, explain why they're saying these things. I think it is totally uncalled for. Um, and and provocative, but his fifty followers must also do some thinking. Uh, all these all these uh, religions are extremely important for people who need them, but they mustn't become political parties and political um, diversions. And he's an idiot. I wish. Oh well, no. I tell you what. Do you know what'll help? He's an idiot for burning a book, of course. Well, but I tell you something. There are some great American satirical TV programs. They go to put him upside down. The world is going to laugh him. He's going to apologise within ten minutes. But the sad thing is that, as you say, he only has fifty followers, and yet he's front page news. And which is the danger of you? YouTube and it's the danger of Twitter and the internet and Facebook and everything else. Well, I'm glad he's on the YouTube and the Upmine and in yours and whatever so that we're talking about it and actually put him into the perspective of being an idiot and let us make as much noise about his idiocy as possible and maybe if enough Muslims laugh with us they won't start burning our Bibles in retaliation. There's always going to be a retaliation for something like that and um, it can only happen in America. No, it can't. It can happen everywhere. It's happened in South Africa. We have, we have, uh, the idiots are everywhere, everywhere. Just laugh them out of power. Yeah. Another overseas story, which I want to touch on with you is food prices. Mm. When 
In China, they are consuming more pork and more beef mm. and more wheat, and as their tastes change, then they will consume more sugar and become more westernised, and that will be a danger to us. While we like the fact that they buy our platinum and our gold and our copper and our iron ore, on the other hand, they are going to force food prices higher, and we saw the consequence of that in the last few days in Mozambique, where there were food riots mm. when the price of bread went up 20%. I do believe that there's the potential for that to happen in South Africa. And we have mm -hmm. seen it in, in, in a small way about two years ago. Does that worry you? I'll tell you what worries me is the fact that food has become a commodity on the stock exchange. Mm. Um, so we've been going through this in the last how many, five, six, seven, eight, nine, ten years, where yuppie scum on Wall Street and, and in, in all these places where they sit and play with, and play with our lives have suddenly bought up a two years' supply of a certain grain, which makes that go up the rice has gone up everything mm. has gone up i think that is an terribly terribly shocking reality and i think that should be made a crime against humanity you do not use food as bargaining you do not make money out of food that should be immediately stopped because that is going to mean that yeah exactly what you say in every country in the world as uh, the stock market is going to control the food and it's yeah people will die starve millions will die Yes, Very quietly, we won't even know about it. It's interesting that the South Korea, for example, has bought a huge chunk of Madagascar, not because it wants to benefit the Madagascan economy, it, because it wants to produce food there and ship it back to Korea. And that's what's happening. Africa is now being uh, corporatized, I think. Mm. Well, this word globalization has never been really explained. It's it's very chilling in many ways. And I've still also not quite ex understood exactly what it means. Um, I also think that the, 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 the globalization of news is, is the, probably the, the thing I understand the most, which, yes, I, I, I long for the days that it took two weeks for a mailboat to come to Cape Town with the news. Yes. Um, I'm watching something on TV now, which is just neither here nor there, but it's a program called Foil's War. Uh, a British uh, series of hour-long films about uh, Mr. Foyle, who's a policeman in, in Hastings in the UK during the Second World War, but a policeman. And the style of it and the beautiful detail and that suddenly, and or at the, in a terrible war, but you suddenly, do you actually long back to the time that really when people spoke to each other, they gave each other new things to think about or did they just gossip as we do today? Mm. You know, and that's why I keep on saying to people, but tell me about your children. Your children are original. They're doing things. Your, your grandparents, what are they doing? What are they telling you about today? Um, we forget to listen. We, f we talk too much. I talk too much. I must listen much more. Peter, tell us again where we can see you. Well, now I'm not going to talk a lot about that. You can see me at the Fugard Theatre, which is in Cape Town, which is off uh, Baton, Baton, or it's Baton Kant Street on its way. You're just above the parade mm. in Caledon Street. Uh, the beautiful Fugard Theatre. Bambi's show, it's called FRK Songs, and I say that in Afrikaans. FRK Songs and Other Struggle Anthems. Musical direction by Godfrey Johnson with a bocce band for great musicians. And it's on till the 18th of this month, Tuesday to Saturday. And uh, yeah, come, it might sort of make your life a little bit easier when you leave with a smile. And Darling, and darling, darling is happening all the time. Hmm. We've just had our Fuerkamra Fest in the last weekend, which was the most wonderful success. And I'm back every Sunday during this run at the Tfugard to do my show on Sunday lunchtime. And then back f for the weekends, we have Friday night, Saturday, two shows and Sunday. We do th four shows every weekend. So come and see that too. Peter Dugace, thanks so much. That podcast was proudly brought to you in association with sharenet.co.za. Visit strictlybusinesspodcast.com and subscribe to receive exclusive content straight to your inbox.